Hello, welcome to The Alone Show. I'm your host, John Maloney, and in this episode, I've brought on Eric Taylor. And as for our guest, he's from Phoenix, Arizona. He is the host of The Hidden Gateway and has published a memoir late, late last year titled In the Eye of the Father, A Memoir of Faith and Redemption. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Justin Williams. <laughs> hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Greatly appreciate it. Anytime. So, yeah, how's life? Life is excellent. Uh, You know, I've been busy. I stay busy, that's for sure. As you mentioned, I have my podcast, the Hidden Gateway Podcast, which I've been doing now since December of 2020. And, uh, you know, obviously released my memoir or was published. I should say, in November of, uh, of last year, 2021. So between uh, promoting my book, uh, various uh, interviews and book chats at local libraries and bookstores and weekly podcasts, I, I stay very, very busy. But uh, life is excellent. i doing exactly what I want to do, and uh, that, that keeps me happy. <laughs> great. Yeah, that's Have great you... to hear. Absolutely. Have you been up too much recently? I'm sorry, can you say that again? Have you been up too much recently? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, just just promoting my book and and doing doing my podcast and just to to get into my book a, a bit in the eye of the father, a memoir of faith and uh, redemption. Uh, it, it's something that was much needed for me to be able to express myself. I have definitely been on a journey um, my entire life, but my journey took a took a turn, if you will, when I lived in San Diego, and this was in 2014. I had some things going on in my personal life. And I, I remember coming home from work one day after a long, hectic day at work. I went up into my room, sat on my bed, closed my door, and I just asked God for truth, right? And I heard heard a voice audible, just like you and I are talking. And this voice said, nothing is as it seems. So um, after hearing that, I was led on this journey of, of discovering truth about uh, a life, about life, and uh, more importantly, self. And what I, what I came to learn was that the first step of understanding who I was to become came at the death of who I was. So I've been through this rebirth, if you will. And, uh, you know, my, my life was very interesting growing up in regards to um, my father, who, who raised me along with my mother. My father was a, uh, was a Marine, but he was also an alcoholic. So uh, he had a lot of uh, things that he dealt with in his life, a lot of built up toxic negative energy, and he didn't know how to deal with that. So during that time in my youth, a lot of his aggression, a lot of that negative energy came out in the form of abuse, a lot of physical abuse, as well as a lot of verbal and psychological abuse. And that caused me to grow up not knowing or wanting to express myself, right? Uh, my brother and I, we used to literally get beat up, which seemed like weekly. And uh, again, like I said, a lot of verbal abuse. And looking back on it, it, it seems like I would have preferred to, to take the physical abuse over the verbal abuse because the verbal, ver- verbal and psychological abuse is, is really what stuck for a long time that, that caused me to have a lot, of, a lot of issues throughout my life. See, his, his mantra was, uh, a child is to be seen and not heard. So again, that developed me to have a lot of uh, communication issues and expression issues. And for me to be able to start a podcast and, and write a book 
uh, it's it's truly been life changing for me. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. And, you know. We, oh, we, you know. We really appreciate you expressing yourself to us. Yeah, I really appreciate yeah. that. Absolutely, and and no need to be sorry. You know, the way I look at it, everything uh, that has happened to me in life was supposed to happen, and it's it's definitely. Uh, made me who I am today. I, I wouldn't be doing the things I, I do now if it wasn't for what I've been through. And my book, I, I look at it as a, as a template to to be able to help others that have gone through or may be currently going through some of, or I should say, similar experiences. So um, I had to go through those things in order to be a light to the world, if you will, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yes, yeah, I see what you're saying. So t- tell me more about what, what you do on your podcast. Yeah, so my podcast is, is, is you know, it's, it's quite enjoyable. I, I must say um, what I do is I, I you know, um, cover a, a wide variety of topics, right? Just a wide variety of topics. And it's uh, my mission of, of spreading, you know, love to the world and self-knowledge. Um, I, I really go deep into science and technology and uh, reaching human potential as well. I've, I've been very fortunate to have a, a many great guests on my show. I've, I've interviewed Robert Kennedy Jr. I've interviewed a guy named David Icke, for those that are familiar with the conspiracy theory world. Um, I interviewed Dr. Robert Malone, who is the inventor of the mRNA technology that's used in various vaccines and probably the most popular vaccine that's <laughs> in, in the world today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Chung, <laughs> Dr. Peter McCullough. I mean, all these great people that have come, come on my show and, you know, provided the world with, with great information, you know, um, in all, all facets of life. You know, it's, it's, been, been un- it's been an unbelievable ride. You know, if, if someone would have told me a year before, a year or two before starting my podcast that I was going to be in a position to communicate to the world in this fashion i would have would have called them a liar you know but here i am it's, it's been a been a wonderful journey right love to yeah, hear it yeah i love to yeah i love to hear it it's amazing yeah so tell me more about this book you've written yeah so so like i said it's it's what i like to call a template in, in regards to helping people um deal with you know, traumas they've experienced. And even writing the book, it was, it was very helpful to me in, in regards to my healing process of, of working through everything that, that I've, I've experienced in life. Uh, just to take it back to 2020, I, I did something that I never thought I'd do, which was go skydiving, right? I, I jumped out of a plane at 15, 20,000 feet up in the air, but that was part of my healing process and teaching me how to control fear. I learned a lot about fear. Um, which then pushed me forward to writing to writing this book. But the book starts off with uh, me being born. Uh, while my mom was pregnant with me, she had a vision. And this vision was her and my father riding in a hearse with my father driving. And then this black blob covered, covered the vehicle. And so after my mom had that vision, she panicked. She said, oh, my God, I'm going to have trouble with my, with my pregnancy. I'm going to die during pregnancy. So fast forward a few months later to June 8th, 1978, which is when I was born during labor, uh, she had a very, very difficult time giving birth. I was a pretty big baby. I was nine pounds, eight ounces, almost a 10 pound baby. So it, it wasn't easy for her. 
And then wow. her doctor, yeah, yeah, her, her doctor had her do this maneuver, if you will, where she put her knees to her chest and then he made her rock back and forth, hoping to push me down through the birth canal. Well, unfortunately, when doing that, her uterus burst and she began to bleed out. And so her vision that she had prior to me being born in her mind was coming true. And she was laying on her back and it was a mirror, mirror above her and she saw all this blood and she panicked and the doctor panicked. The doctor then had to go get the head OBGYN at the hospital. Um, suffice to say, um, my mom survived. She didn't bleed completely out, but it, she lost a lot of blood. She had to have a couple blood transfusions. I was then taken to um, pediatrics ICU and I didn't meet my mom until about a week later, you know, so there wasn't that connection there that's necessary between mother and child right after a delivery. So she, I went to, to pediatrics. She, she went to the adult ICU. I met her, a, a, I don't know, it's like a week later. And then fast forward, I remember just having a pretty normal life uh, up until about four years old when issues started to arise in my parents' uh, marriage. And uh, first thing I noticed, uh, looking back on it, is, you know, my father, he, he began drinking a lot. You know, my mom was always the breadwinner, and I, I learned that that had, a, had an effect upon him, uh, amongst other things. He had some things that he had dealt with in his life that he, uh, he never received healing from. Uh, he went to the Marines in, in the early 50s at the age of 16 and uh, experienced a lot of racism and didn't know how to react to that. Uh, he had issues with his father where they fell out and they got into this big fight and they didn't communicate for almost 30 years. So that was something he he always dealt he always dealt with that he never never healed from. But uh, I, I remember when I was about five six years old, uh, my my parents my mom was at work and my father worked afternoons at General Motors. He left out for work. My brother and I uh, were were there. We we were to stay home and by ourselves until my mom arrived a couple hours later. My father told us do not go outside. Well, you know, I was five. My brother was about seven. Being being curious kids, we we went outside in front of the house to play with our friends. As soon as he left, we're out there playing. And then we saw his car pull up, come down the street. And we said, oh, no. So we ran in the house. And he saw us, obviously. So when he got in the house, he pulled out this big belt. I, I don't know how old you guys are, but back in the day, they, had, they used to have these big, thick belts, probably about four to five inches thick with these huge belt buckles. But uh, because we we were disobedient, he made us strip down to our to our trousers, and then began beating us. And this lasted for about thirty minutes. Uh, I remember one at one point he took his belt, wrapped it around my brother's neck, and dragged him through the through the house. And uh, you know, when it was all said and done. We had these welts on us, these bruises on us, and uh, just just in bad shape. So that was the first form of trauma I I remember. Uh, and then you said, you said uh, sorry, I'm sorry, you said all of that lasted 30 minutes. Yes, it was about 30 minutes, which obviously is, is a very long time, you know, and it, it seemed like a lifetime to me. And, uh, you know, he, he would, he would beat us for about 10 minutes or so, take a break, yell at us and then start beating us again, you know, and, uh, just, just, it was horrible. And then, you know, and, uh, just, just really bad, just really bad. And then uh, fast forward a, 
I don't know, maybe about a year later, I, I then had this, uh, this near death experience where uh, I was sick and my mom left out for work in the morning and uh, you know, my father was there and then she had, she had, she, I remember her, I don't remember, but she told me that she came in my room, kissed me goodbye and, and left out for work. And then she forgot something. She was gone about 15 minutes and she came back and I know it was something greater than, than myself that made her forget something and come back because of how the story played out. But when she came back to the house, she ch checked on me. I was in my bed. And when she looked at me, I had turned purple and my eyes had rolled in the back of my head. And then she called out for my father. She said, Jesse, Jesse, come look at Justin. So suffice to say, they took me to the hospital. As soon as we walked into the emergency entrance, there was a, a short nurse there. Uh, she, she looked to be Filipino, my parents said. And she, she took a look at me and she said, we must hurry, we must hurry. We have to get him to the back. I believe he has pneumonia and he's drowning. So they took me to the back. The surgeon then cut a hole in my side, stuck a tube up into my lungs and drained all the water off of my lungs. And then my, the doctor told my parents that, you know, it, it was a blessing that things happened the way they did because another 30 minutes to an hour, I wouldn't have made it. I had gotten that sick. So I took a turn for the worse very, very quickly. And uh, then, you know, after the surgery, my parents went around the hot to, you know, in the hospital looking for the nurse who, who met us at the door and they described her to people they were looking for and told this hospital staff her name. And they all said, nobody by that name works here. You know, they said, no, there's no Filipino lady by the name of, I forgot what they said her name was. We'll just say Sue. She doesn't work here. So that was very interesting. And the way I see it, it was it was a guardian angel that was sent to to help in, in that moment. And uh, yeah, but thank God I made it through. And, you know, went through other abuse from my father as well. I remember one time when I was uh, in middle school, about 12 years old or so, he left out for work. He was still working afternoons for General Motors at the time. He told me to make sure I take a shower. And I better take a, you know, have showered by the time I've gotten home. By the time he arrived home from work that night, it was summertime. Well, you know, I was 11, 12 years old, playing with my friends, riding my bike. I, I didn't shower. He got home that night and asked me, did I take a shower? I said, no, dad. So he then immediately uh, punches me in my chest, grabs me by my, my shirt collar, takes me into the bathroom and uh, turns on the hot water and takes me by the neck and pushes my my head underneath the, the running water in the sink, he was gonna wash my hair. And then he took a vial of this hot oil treatment and boiled it on the stove. And then uh, after a few minutes of it boiling, he went and got it and then poured that hot boiling oil all over my head. And while he held, my, my, held me by the neck underneath the water, and I didn't wanna cry because I wasn't allowed to cry. That's just how he raised me. You can't cry, you have to be a man, you know? And after he did that, uh, you know, I just fell to the ground in the bathroom and, you know, I, I didn't cry. And then he said, now get your ass in the shower. And then he walked out and then I got in the shower. And then once I got in the shower, then it just came out. I couldn't hold it any longer. I just cried and cried. But um, obviously another traumatic experience to, that I had very, very, at least a second degree burn on my head there in the back of my head and, uh, you know, lost, lost hair. The hair, the hair came out. 
Uh, there were other other instances as well where, where I experienced a similar beating by the hands of my older brother, my brother and I, uh, when I was about seven or eight years old. And, uh, you know, going through life, I, I then became a father at a young age at 19. But this time, my father, my father was out of my life. And, you know, I became a father at 19, and which is young, but it was perfect timing because, you know, during that time of my life, I was uh, in Michigan, in the metro Detroit area where, where I grew up, and I was into some things that uh, were not healthy for me. I was, you know, running the streets, as they say, with the wrong crowd. I was into drinking and smoking a lot of marijuana and doing these things. But God sent my son in my life at the perfect time because when he was born, that that made me change. So my son grounded me, and I call my son to this day, I call him my saving grace because that's what I needed and that him being born allowed me to at that point change my life and I always said that I was never going to treat him as my father treated me I wasn't going to expose him to that type of verbal and physical abuse so you know I was uh, his mother and I we we didn't work out we were together for a couple years but by the time he turned five I then became a single father he came to live, live with me full time so I raised him and when I turned uh, right around, uh, I'd say when he was around eight years old, that's when I met my current wife and got married about a year after dating. Her and I have been married now 15 years in May. And, uh, you know, I, I was always been this person who believed in God. Uh, you know, my mom, she she's actually a licensed evangelist. So when I was a little kid, I went to church four or five times a week. As I became older, though, I got away from the religion piece. In fact, to this day, I don't consider myself a religious person, more of a spiritual person. So I don't su- subscribe to any religion. And what I always tell people is that I feel closer to God today than than ever before. So, again, being on this, this journey um, throughout my life, experiencing different things, healing from all the trauma that I experienced as a child. Um, then fast forward into 2020, um, I, I began uh, a meditation called the Gateway Experience uh, that was created by a person named um, Robert Malone back in the 70s. And the Gateway Experience uses, it's a guided meditation that uses binaural beats, which is a hemisync meditation that sends one different two different beats into each each ear and once they get into the brain if you will it creates another beat uh beat and what it does it synchronizes the left and right hemisphere of the brain and that puts you in a very deep relaxed state which then allows you to have out-of-body experiences and this is all documented and i say that because Back in the late 70s, when Dr. Marble was doing this, the U.S. Army got got wind of what was going on. So they sent their officials there to see what he was doing. They then learned about it all, and they weaponized it to then begin spying on the Russians and the Chinese. And for people that are listening to this, you can find all this information online, specifically the CIA website. The, the documents were declassified about 10 years or so ago. So you can go on the CIA website and find all this information in regards to what the CIA and the, the army was doing with this, this, uh, this, this meditation. 
But anyway, I, I started doing this. I started having these out-of-body experiences where I, you know, was began going to the astral plane and uh, seeing different entities and um, collecting information, which has allowed me to further heal in my life and um, just being guided by the spirit to write my book and start my podcast and have come a long way to having an understanding about self. I used to always look for like an outside source or outside this, outside that for truth. But I have now come to realize that everything I need for everything in life comes from within. And so those are some of the things that I share in my book. Uh, it's been like this perfect journey, if you will, of, of challenges, of trauma, of love and grace. And, you know, just thinking back on my father, everything that I experienced with him, I never held a grudge with him. I never, you know, um, w was mad at him for anything. The way I handled it all was, was with love. And, and that love comes from a source that is, that is greater than myself. And, um, you know, because of that, um, I've been able to do what I do at this point in my life. And I, and my goal is now just to give back and to teach others how to do the same. Um, so I have this book out and I also recently started a, uh, an organization called Tangelic where I um, help people, coach people and uh, help people how to overcome traumas and, and different challenging experiences in, in their life. So uh, here, am I, here I am today uh, doing my best to be a light to the world. Wow. That, oh my gosh. I am absolutely speechless right now. What you've been through is, wow, I, I'm in absolute yeah. shock, honestly. And yeah, I, I mean, things things could definitely have gone a different way. I, I could have became a, a statistic, right? And I could have took that same negative energy that my father had in his life and, and took it and then passed it along to my family. But I decided, I made the decision to be a chain breaker, right? I didn't want to continue this interge intergenerational trauma that had not only my father had, but his father, his father's father. So I said, okay, it stops with me. I made that conscious decision to make life different for my lineage going forward. I agree. Yes, absolutely. That, that was a smart move. And I, yeah. I, I, full, and I fully understand what you've been through. I, I, I was myself in that situation in like uh, an internal family abuse. In fact, the abuse, the abuse I have been through in my life has gotten to the point I wanted to live with someone else that I, not technically knew, but I knew from one of my mates who was like, who had his older brother that's old enough to like live on his own. I've asked him to like live with him for a couple of years just because how that, it was that bad with my family's abuse, but uh, I lived there for like two years and like somebody in Merseyside, just like a couple miles down stuff from Liverpool and after a few years I was like hmm I feel like I'm home now I'm just a bit bored whatever went home nothing changed but I mean right now my, my whole the abuse with my family has certainly died down my parents have started to like improve on their mistakes but yeah but then uh, it was a bit shaky but I, I fully understand what you're going what you've been through Justin and I, I am proud of the things you've done and and what and what you're pointing forward with your family. That I, I 
that that is an achievement above anything else in my opinion I, thank you thank yeah. you thank you but yeah, i tell you what it's it, it I've done it, but I, I've I've had some help along the way, right? I, I must give credit to to say, you know, one person, definitely my wife. She's been, uh, you know, rock solid in in supporting me through through this amazing journey, uh, you know, over, at least over the last fifteen, sixteen years that that her and I have been together, and I, I've become very familiar with 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 the spirit as well, meaning meaning God and, and the spirit that that lives within and and the spirit of truth, the spirit of freedom, the spirit of liberation. Um, these have all been tools that I have used to, to, to heal and to move forward and to, to know that there is something greater in store for me. Even though I was a victim, I didn't have to keep that mentality that there is something greater, a purpose. You know, we all have purpose, you know, and, and that's something I've, I've come to realize. And again, it's a spirit. And even, even something that I experienced last year in, in April, of, of 21, uh, I had a, a, a experience, an ayahuasca experience, where I sat with ayahuasca for three nights in the desert here in Arizona. I traveled to Tucson, and oh, I tell you what, that was that was life changing as well. You know, I'm not sure if, if you two are familiar with ayahuasca, but um, it, it is something that, uh, that that reveals truth, and it uh, it takes you takes you to the spiritual world. And I guess the best way for me to describe it is I, I literally walked with God for, for three nights in the desert. And, and I did this as well um, while fasting. And I don't recommend anyone just go take ayahuasca and, and fast for three nights. You know, I began doing intermittent fasting in 2020. So my body was primed for that. But the spirit spoke on my way to Tucson and said, you know, don't, don't eat anything. And, you know, I was went, went by myself. I, I got I had a hotel where I stayed during the day because I uh, went to the, the ceremony site at night at about 7 p.m. And I was there till about 7 a.m. the next morning and uh, cut, cut off my phone when I, you know, when I was at the hotel, turned off the, the TV. I didn't want any contact with the outside world. And I took a couple of spiritual books with me and I just read those books and I prayed and meditated while at the hotel. And whew, I tell you what, that again, another life changing experience for me, you know, when, when I was told. Uh, back in 2014 in San Diego, that nothing is as it seems. That really came came to light even more uh, during during that three nights in the desert. So it was uh, something that that needed to happen. So between in 2020, between me starting the meditation, going skydiving, and doing fasting, which which teaches you discipline and brings you you closer to to spirit. And then doing that uh, ayahuasca ceremony in April of 21, a few months later, that really really prepped me and primed me for, for, for what's to come. So, um, which was, you know, writing the book and starting my, my organization, Tangelic. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, looking forward to, to whatever else spirit has in store for me here and, and later this year and, and beyond. But it, it's all about serving. It's all about helping, right? That that's my main goal, you know, and it's yeah. done with love it has to be done with love, you know? So, so that, that's what I do. Yeah, that's great. Keep keep it up, my guy. You're doing an absolute splendid job. Thank you. Will do. Welcome. So, what what else you got going for yourself during throughout the rest of this week? Well, uh, you know, for the rest of the week, I you know I have a few interviews coming up. I'm on on a couple other uh, uh, shows, if you will, podcasts. 
and I have uh, have my my um, my podcast interviews as well for, for my show. Uh, so just staying busy. I'm extremely busy between doing that and in my family, et cetera. And I uh, have a, actually, yeah, next week I, I go over, go to a bookstore, local bookstore here in Phoenix to, for a book chat and book signing and uh, just staying busy, you know, telling people about truth and um, spreading the good word of, and light, you know, so uh, have to stay busy. Uh, what's, what's the saying? Uh, idle hands is the, the devil's workshop, if I said that correct. So, <laughs> Oh, that's great. Eric, is there anything you want to ask Justin? Uh, hmm. I really can't think of anything. Right now. That's cool. That's cool. Um, do you have any pets? You know, I do not, but that, that will probably change soon. Uh, maybe later this year, my, my daughter, who's 10 years old, she's been, been wanting to get a puppy, get a dog for, uh, <laughs> for at least a year, year and a half now. And, uh, you know, oh. I, I've been, t- I've always told her no, because I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to be the one to take care of a pet, you know, just because I'm so busy, but I think she's now at the age where she, she can do it and do it responsibly. So, uh, probably, probably more than likely be getting a, getting her a dog, uh, a bit later this year. Okay. Okay. You got a question, Eric? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I just thought of one. Um, so you said you were. Did you did you say earlier like you said you were verbi- verbally abused too right yes um, and you said did you say something about like that having you contemplate on things that you thought you, that you couldn't do before yeah yeah that, absolutely that had you contemplating right that? right right absolutely so the so the verbal abuse I went through uh, at the hands of my father um, as I mentioned his his mantra was a child is to be seen and not heard and. Um, I was never given the opportunity as, as a young child to express myself. And uh, on top of that, he, him and my mom, they, you know, obviously, you know, had their issues, which eventually led to a divorce. And he had a lot of anger about that. And he used to always talk bad on my, my mom in, in the most disgusting ways. You know, again, my father was this Marine, uh, Marine guy who, who had a potty mouth, as they say. And he used to always talk down to my mom. He used to always talk down to my brother and I. I always felt as if I wasn't good enough for him. You know, um, he wasn't oh, supportive. Okay. He wasn't a supportive father, you know, et cetera. So. Okay. All right. So I think, I think, I think my question is, how did you, like, you, your contemplation, how did you get, um, how did you stop contemplating about a lot of stuff and, like, you know, and just do it? I, I don't know. I do a lot of contemplating on like whether if I want to do this or that, and like just never do it. Well, you know the thing is, the the, the I'd say the biggest thing, or one of the biggest things that have helped me through that was my skydiving experience in in 2020. Um, the root base of how I felt was fear. You know, the root base of a lot of negative energies and a lot of a lot of toxicity is simply fear. When you, when you go through it and you pull back the layers. It's all rooted in fear, okay? And that's why skydiving was so important to me because, again, a week leading up to the jump was probably the most challenging week of my life. And what I realized during that week with with all these crazy thoughts going through my head, well, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm doing this. What if the parachute doesn't open? Uh, Then something happens, and then my wife will be a widow, and my kids won't have a father and all these other things. 
I had to realize that it wasn't my time. I had to realize, I came to a realization that, you know, I have to, if I'm going to do this and do this successfully, I have to bring about some form of peace to myself. And, you know, that wasn't easy. So with that being said, I also realized that fear is what I call a bully because it's just constantly messing with you. It constantly wants you to think a certain way. But I realized not only is fear a bully, but fear has a fear itself. And fear's fear is thinking or knowing that it's a possibility that you won't fear it anymore. So that's fear's biggest fear. And then once I realized that, that clicked. Something just like the light bulb went off and I just viewed fear differently. I said, fear is this bully that its biggest fear is not being able to make me fear. And then I realized that any type of issue that I have in my life, any type of low vibration, anything that bothers me, I must go through it and not avoid it. And doing that through skydiving and other things, I then realized that God truly places the best, the very best things in life on the other side of that, meaning the other side of fear. So if people can get to the point where they step outside of, of, of all the what ifs, but, and the buts and the what ifs and, and, and stop questioning things and just deal with whatever it is that, that keeps them in that low vibrating fear state, it's almost like a universal law, right? There's something great for you on the other side of that. So you just really have to take it head on and you have to find something like I did with the realization that fear is a bully and it fears itself. At that point, I had no respect for fear because all my life I had this respect for fear and, you know, if you will, this respect where, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that because of this, because of that. And with the realization that fear is a bully and it fears itself, I said, oh my God, this, this fear thing is weak, you know? And that gave mm -hmm. me the strength to then go forward and take things head on. And I tell you guys what, once I've learned that, and it's been about two years now, I feel like it's nothing I can't do. And I don't say that in a cocky way, right? But after going skydiving and dealing with fear, and then also going through that ayahuasca experience, which probably, which is probably one of the most challenging things I have ever done in life, I feel like there's nothing I can't do, which has brought along this sense of freedom right the sense of liberation the sense of justice and i've just you know i've stepped outside and i've, I've gotten comfortable being uncomfortable which is something I, I needed to learn how to do you know I, I you know i was this introvert guy all of my life you know so me writing a book or even doing a podcast it, it's, it's it's literally unbelievable to me and i, I just I, i'm just so thankful i have so much gratitude in my heart for these changes that i've that i've been able to make and the, the beautiful thing about it is okay. anyone can anyone can do it. We all can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate and it. And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you here, Jefferson, talking about your podcast, your book, and your very motivational story, your life story. It's very, very touching. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you guys so, so much for having me. It's, I'm honored to, to be able to be on your show. It's definitely great connecting with you and your audience. And um, as you mentioned at the beginning, I have the Hidden Gateway podcast. Uh, you know, I have a YouTube channel, uh, Instagram. I'm on all the social media platforms, the, 
the uh, in, in all the uh, pla- uh, podcast streaming platforms. You can, if anyone's interested in the book as well, you can buy it on Amazon for eleven ninety nine. I think uh, people, a lot of people, will find it very interesting. Great, and until next time, stay tuned for more. <laughs>